0: At least it seems like they're getting some pushback that they did not expect. And this is turning out to be far more challenging than they were expecting. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I
1: completely
2: agree. It's, I, yeah, I read I read or heard something about how the entire Ukrainian government was corrupt with Nazi officials. Uh, in
3: fact, I mean, if you think about it, we had some Nazi parties that tried to get to the parliament and they, they never passed. They, they got less than 4%. Hey
2: Siri, what is an expert? means a person who has a comprehensive and authoritative knowledge of or skill
1: in a particular area
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay that's clearly not us but we're not idiots either Mm, arguable (laughs) okay
2: fair how about not complete idiots
0: We're a couple of guys who have been friends for 25 years who happen to disagree on a lot of things. This is our podcast where we try to make
2: sense of those things and try to understand the other's perspective. These are our inexpert opinions. Hey, friends, we have a special episode for you today. Mike and I sat down with a friend from Ukraine to get his point of view on the current conflict taking place in Eastern Europe. Our friend, Andrew, is not an expert in foreign affairs nor is he affiliated with any government or military outfit or subsidiary. However, he does have insight from friends and family in Russia and Ukraine who are experiencing things firsthand. Ukraine is his homeland where he spent 30 plus years of his life. We understand the courage it took to sit down with us and couldn't be more appreciative of his willingness to do so. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Andrew Giajaro. All right. Um so andre uh you and I have known each other for six, seven, eight years ish, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Give or take. Worked together in a mixed panel and have been friends since and uh tell us about yourself. You are you are Andre Giager. Yeah. Um yeah,
3: I, I moved to Bay Area a while ago and uh yeah, I am a Work as a product designer for the startups and some, some bigger companies. So yeah, I originally from Ukraine, from uh central part of Ukraine, in fact, from two two point three hours from, from from the capital or three, yeah, something like that. And uh, but I lived in the eastern part of Ukraine. I traveled west, I've been to capital so many times and uh yeah, so and I used to live in Germany. So I have also this perspective from the Europe, Western Europe, how they actually kind of see the conflict and I always be in touch with my German, Spanish friends,
1: whatever.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, so you're Ukrainian. Um, when did you, when did you move to the Bay? When, when did uh, you, when did you move? The, you moved to the Bay, like when you moved to the United States, you moved into San Francisco, right? Or the Bay Area? No, no. Actually, my
3: first experiences uh, in the United States, uh, it was Florida. Oh, in okay. In 2013. I joined Groove Shark, It uh, was a music startup yep. uh, in a small town of Gainesville. Yep. Go Gators.
0: Mm-hmm. Go Gators. Go Gators.
3: Yeah. And I've been there, and, uh, and and then I moved back to Europe. And after a while, I moved back. And that time, it was in my area. Okay. San
2: Francisco specific okay was that and was that gitlab
3: uh, no gitlab actually started it's actually ukrainian company you know that
2: no i didn't know that
3: okay so the GitLab story is really fun because i used to back in ukraine like a long time ago i used to have a really small agency and uh my first hire for developer side was actually was a gitlab founder so we started experimenting with ruby on rails and uh, he used to work for me and after some time he went for a bigger company to get my experience and he started GitLab because uh, he thought this opportunity to actually give all developers the open source product that they're waiting for, so they can install on their local machines and kind of use a GitHub as, as uh, GitHub, a GitHub system as an open source product. And after a while, it became a company. So he invited me as the first UX hire for GitLab. And oh. I used to work for that for him. And uh, GitLab was remote when I moved to, to, to U.S., but I specifically joined as a contractor for this. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah.
2: Interesting. I, I remember you having the agency, but I didn't know the connection between you and GitLab. That's, fu- that's, that's cool. That's super cool.
3: Yeah, he would write me a message like, oh, you know what, I'm trying to change the design. Should I use, like, uh, what, what size for the font do you prefer, like 15 points or like 14 points? And uh, then he was like, you know what, we need probably hire our first designer. And then they started to grow exponentially. So, uh, yeah. And recently they went APO. So he's insanely
1: rich. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so when you moved to the Bay, was that for Mixpanel or was there something else before Mixpanel? Oh, for YouTube. It was you, YouTube. For YouTube. Gotcha. Yeah. And you weren't a YouTube all that long uh yeah no no, I, no not specifically I work for I went for a
3: specific project for YouTube and then uh after this project ended, I joined a small startup that was pretty much doing the same as mixed panel but for the IoT devices so they, especially for golf if you would play golf there was a device on your belt measuring distance and how you how you're doing and it'd give you scores and it's compare also with other players on, on the same field yeah and we have we, we, well, yeah
0: it was like oh. a golf Fitbit
3: it's, yeah it's called game golf uh and then yeah and then after that i joined Mixpanel.
2: okay i'm just i'm just ultimately trying to wrap my head around yeah how long so 2013 is when you moved to gainesville and then probably 2014 15 16 okay back yeah. to back to the bay gotcha yeah so, i mean the problem
3: with game golf was that it's really too, it's really hard to get investment for the hardware devices yep so eventually they they sold the company so and uh I mean I, I was pushing Big for quite some time across the old startups that I know in, in Europe. Uh so yeah, I was kind of thrilled to join
2: Vic Yeah. Yeah, I ran into that with uh with Field Vision. We 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 had an awesome product. We had a lot of interests, a lot of potential suitors, but at the end of the day, to your point, it's not the easiest thing in the world to get investment funding for hardware. And yeah, ultimately ended up having to do the old fire sale to some company down in Los Angeles that I wasn't I wasn't about to go work for.
3: Uh um, I mean it happens. Game Golf they they sold it two times, one to the uh, enterprise IT company, I don't remember the name, and recently they sold it to another one because uh, eventually, if you don't have a really good subscription model for the software, it's pretty much impossible to sell hardware, uh, especially it's, it's expensive and expensive to produce, especially small quantities. So yeah, I think this is a hard business.
2: Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned you are Ukrainian. You grew up in central Ukraine, two and a half, three hours away from Kiev. Kiev's yeah. northwestern part, is that right, of Ukraine, northern? Um, yeah. Pretty much, yeah, it's
3: not the most special part of Ukraine. You can put it this way. Yeah. But it's still a central part. If you think about it, uh, Ukraine is a map. So the Kiev is capitalized to be. Is it the most central, central part? Yeah. Yeah. It's in like because the
0: northern central part, right? Central part. Yeah. North central? Mm hmm. And so
2: you are from a town. Three hours. It's called Cherkasy,
3: yeah. Okay. It's called Cherkasy, yeah. It's uh, probably right now it's the most the safest town in 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 Ukraine. Is that right? Yeah, because so I mean, I thought because of the bridge and because of the communication and infrastructure, it's gonna they're gonna destroy one of the first towns it's supposed to be destroyed. But since they're attacking from different areas and from the Belarus and uh, so. It's pretty much stayed there. There's a lot of refugees here, uh, there. So too many people. They flee from the uh, eastern part. Some, some from the from the Kiev. And right now, the whole town is working just for refugees, and they try to protect them. There's no. I don't know if they have an army there, but uh, yeah, there's some territorial defense probably. But so far, the safest place in Ukraine right now is six bombs. (laughs) uh
2: so yeah it's called what the safest place
3: in ukraine but they already survived like a six bombings
2: oh wow, wow.
3: Yeah. i think the the the, the area itself mm-hmm. of
2: jesus so and you've let li- you said you lived elsewhere throughout ukraine like the eastern part yeah. okay i used to live in Kharkiv for 15 years in fact this is the way
3: where I, I went, which the co-founder of club. Okay. <laughs> and most of my friends there from they're from East, uh, from the eastern part of Ukraine uh, because like I used to work there for too many companies, like the big outsourcing companies. You would to like uh, would develop the software for American companies, European companies. It was it's sort of it used to be Silicon Valley from Eastern Europe. Okay. Uh, so they would not develop their own products; they just develop other people's products for money. So this is. And, and what right was the now, name of that? They see everywhere.
0: And what was the name of that town?
3: Uh, Parking. Okay. So right now it's probably the, one of the heavily shelled uh, towns, uh, cities, because it's actually 2.1 million inhabitants.
2: That's oh wow. And and why are, why why is it getting so much just because just because of its economy because of,
3: I think that this is the closest town in that region to the border of, of Russia. So it's
2: proximity, pretty much proximity,
3: yeah, proximity. And I think it's kind of it's really hard to support Ukraine is a big country. If you think about it, it's the size of Texas, even a little bit bigger. So to move the army, I think it's quite complicated. It's if they have the whole defense actually around the Kiev area, about around the capital. They have certain, probably some soldiers in different cities and uh, volunteers and the territorial defense. But I don't think that it's enough because at, at some point, I, I also understand that it's probably risky to move, troops across the country to help Kharkiv or help Mariupol because they would be easily bombed by, by Russians, right? right. So. Um, so yeah, but I think the people who fight in there, they are heroes. I mean, I follow some of them on Twitter, I follow, I, I read news on Instagram, the Telegram is insanely popular right now. Like we're going like, <clears throat> to sleep and every morning I get like 200 notifications. So you, and all the dates start, starting like every. I would write my cousin, are you okay? I would write to my friends in Kharkiv or elsewhere. Are you are you fine?
2: How are you? Fine? What are you doing? So, on, so, on. so you your, your cousins over there, you mentioned to me earlier yeah. that your your cousins is he is he fighting in that conflict? Uh he's a firefighter. He's a firefighter. So he's a firefighter in Kiev right now. Okay. Okay.
3: So Got So he's kind of getting this. But he used to be on the border uh, in this Donetsk, Luhansk Republic for about five years.
2: Okay. So
3: he knows that conflict from inside out pretty much.
2: Yeah. And what, I mean, do you have other family over there? You, you mentioned your 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 uncle. You? Okay. Obviously, he's, he's there. My my cousin's
1: uh, wife and his kid two kids are there. Uh, and they didn't want to leave, actually.
3: proposed them to... I, I told him like I will sponsor whatever you, you can. You can fly to everyone in the world. I will just give you a ticket or uh, buy your ticket or I give you money. Just just move them somewhere. Thing, but they didn't want to. It's their land, and I can be less and smiling too right now. I, I, I pretty much everyone every Ukrainian in the world can feel that. that yeah. The cold is points
2: Well, even I mean even more than Ukrainians, right? I mean, there's been a pretty overwhelming. Uh, I'm uh, yeah, out of support, at least from, from what what it seems.
3: Yeah, it's what it seems from the regular people, right? But from the governments, I don't think that actually European Union is doing enough. Being the biggest dollar is Germany for Ukraine. is not enough. It's not enough to win the war. Mm-hmm. Right? They probably they're supposed to do more. Because right now, since I talk, I also understand Russian. I speak Ukrainian. I understand a little German and I speak English. So I can kind of get different news sources from different media so i can see russian propaganda a little bit and i can say that okay they put not the country the, the map of ukraine on the table they put the map of europe and they tell okay right here we're gonna strike poland and there we're gonna strike germany
2: this is what russia is saying this is what the propaganda channels say got it
0: russian so propaganda what is, channels
2: yeah so what does wow. that mean exactly
3: uh well, I think, and if you think about the certain how this war turns out, I mean, Ukraine, Ukrainian people, the civilians are suffering, but Russians. I don't think they can. Be, they slowly advancing. It's still they still advancing, but really slow. Mm-hmm. So for for them, and uh, since there's a lot of wounded soldiers, that soldiers from Russian army right now, maybe Russian people will start to understand what happened in there. So. What what if you if you dictate it, what's your choice would be? So you, you you could blame NATO, right? But you're not actually fighting against the NATO. Mm-hmm. So what if you would really fight against the NATO? So this is what they're gonna they're probably gonna test Poland pretty hard. And they're gonna test NATO with
0: Poland together. With Poland. So, yeah. So that's what I, they know. Go. I mean, Right, this right. Is obviously, I obviously,
2: yeah, yeah. I right. Mean,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean is your is your perception then like I mean with The resistance that russia's getting from ukraine alone do you think that and again i realize this is all speculation and and you know we understand you're not like some military strategist but i think you have far more knowledge about the subject than we do do you think that will be a deterrent for them to continue pushing like i don't think it's going to be easy for them to just march into poland at any point i don't think i mean based on the news that we're getting here in the united states again probably tilted one direction And I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well. But I think at least it seems like they're getting some pushback that they did not expect. And this is turning out to be far more challenging than they were expecting. Would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, I completely agree. First of all, uh, I think maybe, I'm not sure about the U.S. news being like going towards one vision. But because of the U.S. news and intelligence, my parents are in Turkey. (laughs) <laughs> this is the reason why I actually pushed them in Turkey. Because okay. in Ukraine, they would tell, "Okay, there's no way that Russia would attack us." So I, when my I bought a vacation for my friends, uh, for my parents in Turkey, uh, I my friends called me from Kharkiv and told like, "You know what? Uh, let's talk about Figma. Like, like tell me what how we use it, and uh, I want to build a community." I was like, "All right, dude, you need to pack your stuff, get into your car." And go west tomorrow. He was like, you know what? I'm living like on the border with Russia for all my life, and uh, I don't believe that it's going to happen.
1: Wow, and that's, it
2: happened. <clears throat> that's interesting. So I I work with a uh, a Russian kid who's probably 24. So that's why I say kid because he's way way younger than I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he says he says the same thing prior to the actual invasion. He's talking about how he's communicating on a nightly basis with people and family members back right along the western border of russia who are saying there's nothing happening absolutely nothing's going on he's talking about ukrainian friends that he has saying nothing's it, it's it's all being blown out of promotion by the united states and what you're seeing there nothing is 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 going to happen and so yeah, you're, think- you're 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 confirming that that that, yeah, you had friends because I, I when he told me that, I thought, really? I mean, that that sounds like Russian propaganda. It sounds like that that, that just can't be the case. But you're saying that you had friends there in Kharkov and whatnot yeah. saying the same thing.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, because they tried to do the same trick a couple of years ago. They put some soldiers. I mean, yep, f- a, a obviously less soldiers on, on the border, but eventually they had the talks and the soldiers just went back to the to, 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 back to Russia. And probably I think if you're a politician right as President Zelensky uh, and you're trying to write an economy you, you want to don't play this so you can sure you can keep, keep going. So this is only explanation that they have because other than that if you open guard the garden the all the newsletters like back in the days like before the war started, everyone would scream like go, uh, there would be an invasion. It would be an invasion. You need to. You need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Ukraine started to be, started to prepare war, uh, but I think they didn't have enough time. Right. So they start to. Uh, I don't. know, They try to increase the army size. They start to get like all the reservists back to 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 the army. It will take a while because right now they have. I think right now. The biggest problem is to teach people how to use the, all, the, uh, all those weapons. Their artillery the and rest. weapons and
2: things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was hearing today that that uh, we've been holding back some Polish MiGs or something. I don't know how exactly we are blocking that. It, maybe it's just because of the NATO, the NATO relationship. But Poland wants to give you guys a bunch of MiGs, a bunch of airplanes, and we are – We are blocking that from taking place. Meanwhile, we're saying that I don't know if it's Germany or some other country should supply the airplanes and the people, Ukrainians are going, we know, we know, we know how to fly the Polish MiGs. Like we, we've been in those, we've sat in the cockpit, we've flown them before. We don't want the planes. We can't fly. We want the planes. We can fly.
0: Right. I thought that the deal was, yeah, something that I heard about that was they want us to replace the MIGs that they give to Ukraine. And so that's when the United States is like saying, okay, well, then that's us supplying essentially. It's kind of a backdoor deal. It's like, hey, we didn't actually supply any of these like weapons or like things to fight with, but we'll replace the countries like that do want to. And it's like a big thing now. And at one point I thought it was going to happen, but.
3: Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, risk calculations and logistics here too, right? I don't think there's, there's any airport in Ukraine right now that can actually uh, uh get all those airplanes. So they're supposed to use some friendly nation airport outside of Ukraine. Right? I mean technically.
2: Right. And why so, can't why can't those why can't the airports just because they're on, under heavy bombard, yeah. well, bombardment and whatnot?
3: I think most of the airports they under heavy shelling every day and every night. So yeah. most of them are kind of to destroy uh already. So I don't think that nato will be happy to provide any landing pads for ukraine for those planes honestly i see yeah and that's why i think the biggest my hope that they will get s-400 from turkey and s-300 from slovakia uh so they can actually kind of close this guy
0: hmm so can we we'll go back so so this prior to all of this like actually taking place i mean was it or, or when you're saying that both people in ukraine and russia were thinking oh this is probably going to be nothing again i mean was it literally up until the day it actually happened that was the thought
3: yeah i think so. wow i think even in russia even in the russian government uh they they knew a little about all this operation right so i i think it was kind of top secret operation that they went around so, I mean, if you think about the history, this is eventually, uh, I think it goes back to 2014 when Ukrainians had the revolution, obviously, the corrupted president who was supported by Russia, and in fact, he destroyed uh, army and most of the economy ran away to the Russia. They annexed Crimea, right? So, and they annexed Crimea pretty easily because uh, I mean, with all respect to Ukrainian soldiers, there was no equipment, and they were mm-hmm. prepared for that. Mm-hmm. They tried to do the same, almost the same thing with uh, Donetsk and Luhansk uh, territories. uh And but the good part, I think, and it's tremendous job that NATO and uh, US allies did that actually did train our soldiers from 2014 until now. So right now we have an army, an army that. Don't fight with uh, I don't know outdated tactics from Soviet Union. They know all the modern warfare, right? From the Bayraktar from Turkey, how to use uh, drones and everything. So yep. this is a good part, and they have some really real combat uh, experience by fighting Russians on the border of Donetsk and Luhansk. So miscalculations, from my understanding, was that it would be the same as 2014. So Russian army will just march. Through Ukrainian cities, and everyone would just surrender. But this is not the case, and I think uh, I can't really comprehend all those people who's who's taking, like I mean, fighting against the Russians right now, like because I think Russians have better pro. I don't know about it. <laughs> I mean, I would say they have better equipment, but from videos that I see, it's actually I see the corruption in the Russian army. <laughs> it's to set a new standard. <laughs> Uh, which is good for for Ukraine. I think Ukrainian anti-corruption commission wrote a letter to to Russian uh, generals to say, like, "Thank you so much for uh, destroying the old army."
0: Wow.
2: <laughs> I can't I can't tell if you were being sarcastic with that last comment.
3: <laughs> oh, the letter is being, the, the letter that they uh, wrote is actually really sarcastic.
2: Okay, <laughs> so they actually did write a letter. Yeah, amazing. They did that's amazing
3: uh, but they have I think because of the ukraine is a big countries I think it's more than two thousand kilometers of the border that they need to protect with Russia okay it's it's really it's really hard it's almost impossible mm-hmm. but uh I think we the Ukrainian government they do not want to spread out the army to thing across the line so they kind of focus it on the main areas which is mm-hmm. basically Kyiv, that would be probably the, uh, the if the Russia could ever conquer Kyiv, that would be pretty much the biggest uh, win for, for them because uh, from the history, Kyiv existed for so many centuries. Mm-hmm. It existed before Moscow. In fact, Moscow pretty much was uh, founded by one of the uh, Kyivs. Uh, I don't know, I it was called knights or, or one of the Kiev's heroes Kiev guys. Mm-hmm. So. And uh, the second, the second is they want to also have, uh, I think the road uh, to the Crimea by ground, not to use the bridge when they built or whatever. So they try to do the stuff as Mariupol, which is a humanitarian crisis right now. Uh, and uh, Kharkiv, because it's a big city, and uh, it's mainly like like just to 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 be really candid here, Mariupol, Kharkiv they are Russian-speaking cities. Oh, okay. 100% Russian-speaking, almost 100% Russian-speaking cities. So what Russia achieved so far is that all my Russian-speaking friends, they speak Ukrainian right now. This is it. I mean, how bad our Ukrainian is because I'm also Russian-speaking. This is another topic. But we try to speak Ukrainian. And I think this is a good kind of sign of unity. Uh, and uh, back in the history, also Ukraine is a really multinational country. Like my wife, she's at Russian, one hundred percent Russian. Her, the, the most this, the most I think sad twenty three and report ever. It's like one
2: hundred percent Russian. That's it.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh,
3: and uh, like my grandmother, she was Greek. My, my uh so my 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 grandfather was ukrainian and another grandfather was russian so it's i'm kind of huge huge mix of all all of those
2: you got a lot better ancestor.com report than liza yeah it's so
3: funny (laughs) i mean sometimes i I am even kind of i don't know western asian whatever but yeah my point is it was never about the language right so my my grandmother for example she uh she had she didn't she understood ukrainian but she would speak a really weird accent uh, like i don't know because she was russian and if you, you she would she would try to do it on a russian manner and what sort of, but she would never complain about having the ukrainian language in her life right mm-hmm. and uh, all those tensions that basically on the language level that uh was probably heated by some politicians sponsored by russian it was never the case in real life okay so Think about it, like, like 100% of my Russian friends don't understand Ukrainian, but there's some similarities in language. And if you actually have a little bit uh, of, if you start to listen, you would understand it, most of it. It's, it's like, Ukrainian is closer to Russian than it's closer to the Polish one. Because right. for, for Polish language, I can understand only 20% of what my Polish friends are speaking about. Uh, obviously, people would try to communicate And West and East we try to communicate, but because like the Russia always took this position of bigger brother, we're more successful, we're a bigger country, and Ukrainian is a small corrupt country in Europe. So obviously, some people would think about oh, it might be good, there might be a bad thing happened in the Soviet Union So we want to go back to Soviet Union. This is eventually what Luhansk and Donetsk region is about. It's not about language, it's mostly about I want my life back. I want to go to the factory, wait for forty years, and get my one-bedroom apartment. Yep. I want everything to be predefined in my life. So.
2: So that's so that's what okay. So that's what I wanted to ask. So, so Luhansk and Donetsk, is that right? Yeah. Those are the two territories that he invaded first. That Putin invaded first,
3: right? No, first it was Crimea, then or, well, and Crimea
2: back in in two thousand fourteen or
3: whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah, in most in most recently though is is Luhansk and Donetsk. How, am I not? I'm not saying Donetsk. Sorry. Right?
3: First, first was Crimea annexed <laughs> completely, right? And yep. joined Russia.
2: Yep. And then, did and when uh, they were annexed, did they did Crimea? Did Crimea want to join Russia?
3: This is a really good question. Uh, I don't know. Because even if you think uh, about Ukraine as a united country, Crimea would be always separate. Okay. They have oh, some okay. autonomy, right? Okay. So uh, they could do it, I don't know, they would, they would probably do it some pol- peaceful and political ways how you can push at least, I mean, they, I think the, the most, the, the regular people, they were scared because they had, had this rumor that there's Ukrainian Nazi from the west part of Ukraine took a train and they're gonna arrive to Crimea so we need to surrender to the Russian army right away so otherwise they will drink blood of the children and like all this stuff that you can imagine yeah yeah so <laughs> this is what eventually happened uh I think they uh they got they they, they they I think they they had a vote like kind of referendum about do they want to join or not join but I mean honestly if you have a Russian army with uh, with uh, Russian guns near your face, how you would vote? I, I don't know. Yeah. And also, the Crimea itself—it's multinational. There's Crimean Tartars that pretty much didn't vote. And uh, right, it, if, like when Russia starts talk about our oh, Crimea has always been ours, no, it actually belongs to Turkey, belongs to Greece, belongs to Italy, to vote. so so <laughs> there's too many nations in one place because there's access to the like, Black Sea. Mm-hmm. So it's and then what happened? They sponsored some people and do not uh, after the next Crimea and the uh, Donetsk and Luhansk and they tried to overthrow the government there. So they started to uprising. And the first I think couple of days Donetsk didn't recognize Luhansk as a separate territory and vice versa. So there was a comical situation that we were like I was sitting here, I was like, what is going on? Then eventually, Russian they put their own uh, leaders inside those two territories that kind of started. I mean, you, you don't need a visa to go from Donetsk to Luhansk and vice versa right now. Mm-hmm. You can probably use their passport to go to Russia. I don't know. Oh, wow. So and and the uh, I think the notion was that uh, the President Poroshenko back in the days, he, he tried to negotiate because the army was not in a good shape. So obviously, this is how this agreement uh, came to life. They went to Belarus. Was Merkel uh, with the French guy and Putin trying to negotiate? But then the Illovich strategy happened. So the Ukrainian army was encircled in in town, and uh, there was an agreement that there would be a humanitarian corridor, and our army could leave the town. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, our general, I think the current uh, general of the Ukrainian army, uh, was able to leave, and everyone else was pretty much uh, destroyed. So Minsk agreements, it was actually a failure. If you think about it, if you read about it, it was a failure for Ukraine.
2: But it was also, a failure. It was failure for Russia? For Ukraine. Oh, for Ukraine. Okay. And it was really, far,
3: far, I mean, but if you think, if you start to read about them, there's some stuff that actually a Russian uh they promised that they do it, but they never did. For example, give control back for, for the Ukrainian border to Ukrainians. Mm-hmm and uh and so on and so forth so they tried to push on those points or agreements that ukraine needs to implement that were favorable for them not necessarily for for doing their part that's why it was a failure from the ground up but the time that ukraine got we were able to build probably the best of of this time on, on in, in the, uh military situation right we built the army and right I've never been I never was a big fan of army and I'm probably the only one husband that during my wife's uh, bloodline that never went to army so <laughs> because everyone else was military uh, so but I'm I'm starting to get proud of Ukrainian soldiers and it's stuff that they do right now uh, yeah
2: yeah I think you have to be I mean as you said um, they're heroes it's been pretty it's pretty amazing so I can't I can't fathom what it's Gotta feel like to, to be from and, there.
3: Yeah, and uh, obviously, like all this, I think two years ago they started to kind of push all these articles about Nazi being in Ukraine and the different uh, uh, and the different army uh, battal- battalions. Yeah, uh, but I think, like honestly, I know it a little bit from 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 friends who, who went to the. This is a multinational army. There's Jews there, they're Georgians, they're I don't know whatever race you have in post-Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So to call them Nazi, it's a little bit overwhelming. Do they love their country? Yes, they do. <laughs> do they not I don't think so.
2: Well, I think mm-hmm. I think there's probably some Nazis there, just like there's some Nazis Obviously, in the United States, some... right? And there's yes, Nazis exactly. in Poland, and there's Nazis in England, and there's Nazis in Canada, but. Isn't Zelensky Jewish? Yeah. It's I, I yeah I read I read or heard something about how the entire Ukrainian government was corrupt with Nazi officials and this that and the other and I'm thinking, well they're failing pretty miserable if they're elevating <laughs> a Jew to the highest <laughs> ranks in the fucking yeah. country.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. In fact, I mean, if you think about it, we had some Nazi parties that tried to get to the parliament. Yes. And they they never passed. They, they got less than 4%. So this is about the Nazi-supported Ukraine. They would never pass that. Because, I mean, uh, Ukraine had a really bad history with with Nazis. Uh, the country was almost destroyed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think roughly, maybe, I'm a little bit uh, overwhelming, but I think it's roughly 15 million of Ukrainians died in their country in the Second World War. So I don't think it's gonna happen. Uh, if they love the country, I mean, I was never a big fan of Zelensky, honestly, and uh, I asked my mother to vote for for someone else. On, on <laughs> but right, right now, I started to understand that actually this is the president that people need. I don't know any other politician in Ukraine that could could be so uh, to find that could. Would do the better job on, on his position. I I don't know, honestly. Like all this old-fashioned politician would probably fail.
2: Yeah.
3: He's younger, he has better understanding, he has the voice of people, and he speaks dearly to, to the people. And even though I didn't like him, I kind of kind of be. this is his best role. He's a comedian, right? You know that. He's yes,
2: yes. That's <laughs> that's hilarious.
3: So, and because he probably didn't have that experience uh of doing politics in his life, right now I think he can actually address to every Ukrainian possible. Either mm-hmm. you're you in Ukraine, you're fighting in Mariupol, or you may be somewhere else in the US or Germany. And it's kind of a delay. I think he's doing a great job, probably the best job that I would ever think of.
2: Well, yeah. So I want to, what was your, what was kind of your feeling or, or, or overall like, what did you think of Russia prior to?
0: I was getting my question too. Yeah. Yeah, I
2: you, you know I, do you know that I used to live in Russia? No, no, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> didn't know that. No, you know you're that. obviously you're obviously married to a Russian. Um, well,
3: yeah, I used to live in St. Petersburg for quite some time, uh, and uh, when we arrived, I remember we arrived because there's a time difference, and I kind of. Uh, missed our schedule. So we arrived in a train and our friends were not able to pick us up. But you, like, pretty much you put all your stuff out of the train. And the first thing that you get in Russia is you get a newspaper, free newspaper, it's a picture of Putin. Okay. Um, it was a while ago <laughs> when he was democratically elected president. And so, when did, uh,
2: real quick, back up a little bit. Sorry to cut you off, but when did you live in Russia?
3: Let me open my LinkedIn profile. I need to double check. You can cut this. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: uh, it was a while ago and
2: uh, it wasn't
3: 27 okay 2007 yep. two thousand eight. so you're 20 so was,
2: you're 26 ish at the time yeah yeah okay
3: so and uh and they used to have like this uh, uh protests that my friends used to go and uh you know like Everyone looked like okay, but at some point, the perception of Ukrainians was a little bit racist at that day. Okay. Because my wife, she would, she, I mean, she go to St. Petersburg subway, she looks like any other Russian woman. And for me, it was a little bit different because I'm tall, I'm not blonde. <laughs> so there was like, ah, oh, this guy probably some immigrant. So um, when we would, we would try to rent an apartment, I think one of the sentences that they told us, ah, oh, we hope. Would, after one week you don't have like ten thousand Ukrainians ukrainian living in this apartment i was like what like how you can seriously talk about i mean <clears throat> anyways we live there through the winter and uh it's constant fear of even to russians to get to the army right they would ride a bicycle not to use the public transportation because they can get caught by by police and they put them into the army so hold on hold on, view- hold on hold on
2: hold on they they will just take people and put them into the army Yep.
3: Yeah. so this is what happened every year in russia so you go to the subway on every entrance uh, and exits of the subway. you have a policeman if they see that you're like 25 20s they would grab you and you go to the army
0: and that could be ukrainians russians anyone or just russians well
3: I mean, I'm Ukrainian. I never had the problem. So okay. Okay. Ukrainian passport. <laughs> so, okay. But for Russians, I think so for them, it was like, uh, St. Petersburg is a normal city. I think it's, well, I think it's second after Moscow. Imagine ride every day on the bike from one, uh, from point A to point B by bicycle because you're not, you're not able to take a subway because you probably ended up in the Russian army.
0: Wow. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm pulling up a map real quick. Sorry, where where's Saint <laughs> Petersburg in comparison to uh, to Moscow?
3: Uh, it's I think it's north. It's they call it North Capital.
2: Okay, North Capital.
3: It's a beautiful city. I mean.
2: Okay. Yeah. Right there. Oh, it's wow! It's that far north, like <laughs> near Finland and all that.
3: Yeah. So you can pretty much get take a train to Finland. Okay. So so yeah, and um, you can. I, I mean, I would never think that Russia would feel so alien to me as a place to live. So, and you know, like all this perception, you go to the North, you arrive right there, there's snow and you go back to Kharkiv and there's a the sun and people like wearing t-shirts. I was like, wow, well, this is so cool. So obviously we went back and I, I would never think about Russia again. What I want to take on this, all my friends are like, uh, I had like, I, I met in this book. After a while, when we were living in Germany, they, they they wrote me like on social media, like, oh, we're gonna come visit. Are you still, uh, like, uh, tell me, I, I, are you not gonna kill us or do with us something because you're Ukrainian Nazis? And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Seriously, you people, you went to the protest against Putin. And right now, you can tell, like, ask me those questions. Obviously, I did a joke, I have a huge Ukrainian flag, so I put it, like, in the center of my apartment, like, all, all that stuff. but. And then they, they, their perception of the world like changed completely. They were telling me, you know, like you should agree that Stalin Stalin was one of the biggest and most advanced uh, rulers of 20th century. I was like, he was a tyrant.
2: Right.
1: Wow.
3: (laughs) Wow. But so, and uh, they was like, but he didn't industrialization for the Russia and Soviet Union. Yeah, but with the hands of people from Gulag. It was a free slave uh, labor. So, and, uh, and back, like it was after 20, I think it was after 2014, because they had some sanctions in ready. So they would go to Germany, they would buy some cheese, like all this stuff that they don't have, didn't have in Russia, mm-hmm. and probably wouldn't have for quite some time. So they would start to eat it. It was so fun to watch. And you, you they you, go, you get all this conversation about politics. I was like, oh, hell no, I, I would never go back to Russia. So, my perception of Russia, I think this country is. Uh, I think oh, it's, it's like they have brain damage. Uh, honestly, well, like I also listen all <laughs> this. Uh, uh, the Russian forces they would share when 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 captured Russian soldiers, Ukrainian forces would uh, share the audio that captured Russian soldiers would call their families, and it's oh, actually, this is recently,
0: yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, I saw a that, couple of those and it's heartbreaking.
3: It's a heartbreaking because there's not a human reaction to it, right? If yeah. I would call my mother, even my we have a she's a product of Soviet Union. She's a really tough to talk to sometimes. And we, we kind of have a different I, I we will try to build our relationship, but still, but still if she would know that I have a trouble, she would she would walk from Turkey to US to protect me.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Like by food. By the, by, by her food. And the brush is like, what happened? Are you captured? Oh yeah, you know what? I didn't tell anything. I didn't call anywhere. Maybe your grandmother knows they were pretty much on your own. Like, what? This is your only child. And I'm a father. I, would, I, I don't know why I would do for my child.
1: Yeah.
2: This so what, when you say of... when you say brain damage, do you mean like like brainwashed or brainwashed, like washed, like, I think. Or or like like actually I mean, they're just, they're so, they're so void of emotion and things. It's just like they're, 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 they're damaged.
3: Uh, I think, I mean, like until recent, uh, events, right. They have the same internet that we are, if you want to read news, if you don't trust Russian media and you see like something is actually going wrong, you can go and read, I don't know, voice of America, uh, BBC, it's Mm -hmm. on Russian. Deutsche Welle, it's also Russian to German, and they you can call it probably super lefty, or but it's still they, they have a point. They can actually on on the world uh, if you read the world news, they can, can give you some facts about what's going on. But it doesn't look like those people are interested. They find, by believe, that their propaganda Their propaganda, and they, yeah, and uh, uh, even with my wife. It, it, it go back to 24th uh, when Ukraine had an orange revolution. So, our old president, hit Pushmoy, to, want, to wanted to install one guy, Viktor Yanukovych. And the election was rigged. So, people went on the streets.
2: This is back in 2014. Uh,
3: 24. Oh, 2004.
2: 2004. 2004.
3: 2004. Yeah. So, I was participating in that. So, and uh, we never thought that. Actually, it could be peaceful one because you did not know what to expect from a government. But we never thought that it could be something else than peaceful. So, at the end, like after weeks, weeks of protect, uh, for protesting, uh, Supreme Court of Ukraine ruled that election was rigged, and we, we had the third round. And obviously, the Constitution could won as a president. After one year, he lost his election to the same guy Viktor Yanukovych, completely democratically. No, no, no question asked because he was just the bad president probably it right. but anyways uh during the time of protesting my wife she got a phone call or letter from her relatives from russia it was like you know what there's a nazis marching on the streets and you is a new hitler i was like yeah this is this is just ridiculous i mean why would and uh even now from what i hear some russians they don't believe that actually uh uh russian soldiers they kill innocent people innocent people and there's a lot of casualties in Marupo, and there's human humanitarian catastrophe and uh people are hiding without water electricity food whatever you name it it's just i think marupol is almost gone as, as a city the infrastructure is gone for sure is that and right right yeah and right now the our government they try to evacuate some of those but probably roughly two thousand 200,000 people are still there because it was okay like for 400,000 uh, people. Down. So, and some Russians, they don't believe that actually it's happened. So it's like, ah, it's, it's fake. I would believe you, but you know what? It's fake. Our army would never do something like that.
0: And, and uh, now they're getting their internet shut off or our access to anything outside news. So they're only being told probably all of the very, very exactly, c- extremely tilted. <laughs> point of view here which I is not reviews. helping
3: and it's actually you can actually go crazy about reading their news really yeah
2: what are some of the like what's what's one of the recent news stories you 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 read um
3: yeah i i think i, I usually because ukraine because it's wartime uh they wouldn't uh Tell you the exact amount of casualties or the, the military losses, right? Mm-hmm. They try to hide it. I mean, they don't try to hide it. It's not okay if Russia would know. I think. I mean, honestly.
2: Russia is trying to hide it. No, Ukraine. Oh, Ukraine. So okay. they, we, we don't we don't share this
3: information. Our government don't sh- didn't share any of you know, this information. Got it. But if you go to the Russian websites, they will tell you, like, all right, we destroyed, today we destroyed 1,500 Ukrainian tanks, even though I think in the start of the war, Ukraine just had 800 tanks, but who cares, right? Wow. Wow. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, and and so on and so forth that that people, like, I mean, they shoot this video that people are crying, that they're so happy that Russian forces arrived and because the Ukrainian Nazis, they would use them as a uh, living shield. But when you see those, the actors because they have fresh cosmetics on there, like the fresh clothes, the fresh manicure. Are you kidding me? If you are from the city of Mariupol, there's no way that you're gonna look like this.
0: Wow. Jesus, it's like worse than you could even imagine, honestly.
3: (laughs) I mean, if you spend this amount of money on propaganda, if you do it right. (laughs) Yeah, but Holy. it looks like it's working, and uh, yeah, at least it worked. I mean, and I would appraise Zelensky for that because he always tried to speak two languages. He, he started his speeches with Ukrainian one, and he usually ended up with a Russian one. He tried to appeal to Russian people, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, so far, it was not successful. And I mean, think about it like from what I hear from my Russian friend who's even opposed to Putin they tell like oh, you know what was scared because they would put us in prison. This is a country of uh, 140 million people. If enough if 10 percent go on the street this war would be over tomorrow
2: do you, so I was do, you, ask- do you think that's true? I think so I mean, do you think you don't think Putin and the army are willing to just wipe out 10 percent uh, of the dissenting
0: population well they um, were russian
2: or, yeah russian i don't
0: know well don't you had that... a bunch of russians protesting this and wasn't then there a lot Why like, one they were arresting a lot of those people but
3: i, I don't think that enough like i mean there's also a correlation between 2014 but what happened in 2014 right okay the, our president Viktor Yanukovych, he signed the deal he he was about to sign the deal with the european union right then mm-hmm. Putin appears and provides aid to Ukraine around $3 billion. So Viktor Yanukovych turns to Russia and signs an agreement with Russia. Okay. And he tells, like, good luck, European Union. We don't, we, we, we don't want to deal with you anymore. So what happened? Some students, they went on the streets of Kiev. They were beaten by uh, Ukrainian police. Next day, 500,000 people on the streets. And this is how the, the, this revolution actually eventually started. In Russia, you are beaten, they put you in jail, and nothing happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, and I assume the, the people who got in jail, I mean, they have families, they have friends. Mm-hmm. And yeah, why they're not outside? Why right? they're not telling like, this is not right. This is our democratic right to actually to tell that we're against the war, or we're here to protect our families. Well, what, what happened eventually? That Russians flee Russia, like my mother in Turkey right now, and I have a friend who moved there a while ago, and they told me like there's too many Russians, even it's not even tourist season. So people who could afford to go somewhere else, they went there. People who was not able to afford to go somewhere else, they went to uh, post-Soviet republics like Armenia, for example. There's more direct flights to Armenia than any other country in, uh, in Russia. Because people just fly there; they can fly there without international passport, to the internal one.
0: Yeah, I read that a lot of young, like the younger, like people in the tech industry and stuff are are bailing because they're like, I can't speak out about it, and so I'm getting out of this country, and I will work. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Um, so right now, without internet, it's, I think it's being tough.
0: <laughs> I bet. So that's Russia's perception of Ukrainians, but what what about going the other direction? I mean, are i guess today it's probably massively different but what about prior to all this were ukrainians a little bit uh suspect of russians as well or was it more of a hey can't we all just get along mentality and we'll be a little bit more open-minded and accepting
3: before 2014 i don't think that there were any tensions behind that right okay it was pretty much jokes about uh uh, that Russian do not understand the Ukrainian language. It's especially from western western uh, part of Ukraine, and it was really funny, even for me. I'm a Russian-speaking guy. I can mm-hmm. go to some cafe and I see like the card, and I can read them. It's actually it's it's quite nice. It's a good. It's probably good for business too. And uh, <laughs> but this besides that, I never found any problems. Well, this is the thing also um, that. Before 2014, I think there was no serious threat from Russia, right? They tried to kind of use politicians, they, they, they would try to sponsor some parties in Ukraine to kind of push their agenda, like started from the language perspective and ended up with, they would invest a lot of money and also from the eastern part of Ukraine, right? The city of Kharkiv specifically. So when Ukraine got, uh, I think the, the, we want, we in Poland, we want uh, the right to, to host the European Championship. Uh, soccer. Uh, so the Russia would invest, they would build hotels, they would build like shopping centers. So it was like pretty I think it was a nice business relationship. Obviously it was a little bit of some interest in, in the government. But when the 2014 happened, and I think what they tried to what they thought they were going to do, they tried to push Ukraine towards the Belarus way, Belarus way, or Belarus or Belarus way, right? So Yanukovych. Would be play the same role as Lukashenko right now. It would be kind of a vassal state to Russia that they can actually do their business on, but put also like a lot of influence there. And eventually, it would be like uh, one one country. This is what they tried to do with Belarus right now. They already signed an agreement that they would have would have one country there, one state. Was to was like yeah so. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Obviously, Putin became probably mad about it. That's why he tried to annex the peninsula and all the stuff that's uh, when Ukraine started. But I never, I mean, why would people ever, ever have any tensions with Russia? I mean, there was some anecdotal ones, uh, but I like, I and, and again, it's from my perspective, maybe some other people, uh, Tell a different story, but I mean honestly, you go to western part of Ukraine, and Lviv, uh, most of the people speak Ukrainian, and they yeah. have really beautiful Ukrainian language because they kind of they have an influence from the uh, Poland, uh, Hungary. It's a completely different melodic for language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, when you start to speak to Russian to them, they will switch easily, so they will start reply to Russian. So there was no never a problem. Okay. Uh, and vice versa, I think.
2: So I've read a number of things and heard, listened to a couple podcasts where they were talking about how, you know, uh, Donetsk and, and, and Luhansk are, because they're, because they are so close to Russia and, and you've kind of said that they, they speak Russian largely. Right. Um, ethnically, I think that they're very close to Russian, if not Russian. I mean, Am I, am I right in thinking that? Um
3: well yes and no. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think that they ethnically, especially Donetsk, I don't think that they are uh, that th- th- they Russians so
2: Okay. <laughs> because I mean eventually
3: the next region was owned by a German uh guy who, who built it and all of the infrastructure there and big factories. Mm-hmm. So people, I mean obviously the growth that that uh, you can attract because there's a lot uh, they they had a lot of work because of the manufacturing and they would attract people from every part of the country. The sum of them I think Russian, some of them 100 percent Ukrainian. Got it. Right. So some been mixes and because of the coal industry it went even uh, I mean they they, they grew is all like most of the Ukrainian industrial complex actually located at eastern part. So okay, we built all these factories and everything. I think the biggest problem is because our coal miners never had a decent salary. And uh, there is a level of education, obviously, that played the role. When you listen to Russian propaganda, obviously, because you're close to the border, there's nothing else that you can listen. Mm-hmm. For 20 years, you start to believe that you probably something else. And uh, this is what eventually happened uh, because they didn't see better life, right? right? I would be able to go fly from Kyiv, uh, Kharkiv to Berlin, and they would stay in their place, and they would think like, okay, if we would probably live in Russia, our retirement uh, retirement payment would be uh, bigger, and uh, and so on and so forth. Like some some basic humanitarian needs, yeah, and uh, like and maybe a little bit better level of life. That, that this is something that probably they were promised that on, from, from TV. I
2: yeah, mean, okay. Is,
3: but, but I mean we had this. We we I think when we went back from uh St. Petersburg to, to Kharkiv, the train eventually Kharkiv was not the last stop, the last stop was the Mask. And it was some, some woman from the Mask. She was like, I was back in the day, I found that pretty crazy because she would go out because we went through to Moscow, the train went through Moscow, she was like, I need to uh bow to the uh the father of Russian cities, Moscow. I was like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she eventually went to Bao. I mean, they went back, and uh, she started to talk about Ukraine. Like she's not Ukrainian, but she's like guest or maybe a tourist.
2: So again, brain, on the border, brain, brainwashed.
3: Yeah, and then on the border, they show Ukrainian passport. I was like, "What the hell?" She <laughs> like, yeah. was like, "I'm from Donetsk." I was like, "All right."
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so what these yeah. podcasts and what these articles were saying was that. Because they were "quote unquote" ethnically Russian, which I think you just debunked, um, that that was one of you know probably myriad reasons of why Putin was doing this. Because these these people of Luhansk and and Donetsk actually wanted many of them actually wanted to be Russian because they. They ultimately were Russian. And so he was their savior. He was kind of coming back in and taking over this part of Ukraine to bring them back over into the motherland.
3: Well, I would say there's no visa agreement between Russia and Ukraine. If they would.
2: There's no what? What? No visa
3: agreement. You don't need a visa. You could just go and live in Russia. Oh, okay. And try it out. So this is kind of a vague statement that uh, I love Russia, but then they want to move to Russia. So. Like Putin, bring the soldiers here, so we can actually live in Russia. Got it. <laughs> and, so that's a
2: pretty stupid thing to say. <laughs> and
3: honestly, I mean, think about it. Um, if they uh, they wanted to live in Russia, but the Russia they they never actually accepted those regions inside the Russia like as a, as a state, as mm-hmm. be the part of the state. What they did when the war started, they thought like, okay, we. Uh, kind of see that th- those lands are independent republics from Ukraine. So this is a direct threat to the Ukrainian sovereignty and integrity, right? But they never accepted them as a part of the Russians. So, like, why? If yeah. they really wanted to do that? Because mostly, I think he did the same with Moldova, with Pristovia. uh, because Moldova, uh, like the same, pretty much the same story, right? During the Soviet Union, Moldova, uh, voted for independence, and they started to be more pro-Western country. And uh, so, but it was small region that wanted to go back to uh, Soviet Union. And pretty much what happened. Sponsored terrorists by Russia. Now, as we have under the Basque Republic. Uh, the same went to Georgia twice. <laughs> so uh, the, the same happened to Georgia and. Uh, Right now, Moldova and Georgia they try to kind of follow the path of Ukraine because, well, I think we're about to get the status of uh, like the European Union candidate, and they're going to do the same. And obviously, like, I mean, for me, and the more I think about it, I don't see any other path for Ukraine. Mm-hmm. For Western countries, it was, it, they used to use it as a buffer between Russian influence and Western countries for too long mm-hmm. and right now if you think about it how you can build a democratic country when you have a russia on the border so you need you need to have enormous normal spending on the army and you need to i mean kind of support the economy going i mean it's it's complicated i think it's a complicated issue that's why our previous president the guy who was, who was before Zelensky, he put nato and the european union as two strategic achievements in our constitution yeah so because there's no other way, uh, I didn't find any expert who would say, "Oh, the French stay n- neutral to, to NATO or to US, but how you would survive.
2: How you would stay, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there can be no independent
3: state. So yeah. unfortunately, NATO told us, our door will open, but we don't want to see you at the doors. So <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah,
0: our door is open unless it's closed. <laughs> yeah, but <in sighs> European
3: Union at least they do something because I think there's two kind of. First of all, Ukrainian soldiers and people they they spill their blood, try uh, to stop this war, and the second of all, Zelensky has more uh, Instagram followers than Kanye West. So. Oh wow! <laughs> right now, yeah. Jesus.
0: That's a good stat. So,
3: I mean, if you want to play well, Instagram is a powerful weapon, right? So, you're yeah. gonna, you might accept Ukraine and European Union, yeah. or you're probably not going to be elected for the second.
2: So, I, I, you, were, you, were, you were, we were talking about kind of the, the reason for Putin doing this potentially being that he wants to take over. And you're saying that um, kind, of, kind of silly because obviously, there, well, not obviously, but there's no visa Requirements or things, so you could hop over and live over if there you, want. you I think as you said, you could try it out. Which is, I tried just, it. I go mean, over there. Yeah, <laughs> you did. St. Petersburg. Um, in your opinion, what like, and, and in your family members' opinions and your friends' opinions, like, why is this happening? What what is the what is the what what's Putin's?
3: Yeah. So I thought about it for quite some time because. Uh, to understand how it ends, where and where is it? I I try to understand why it's happening. So first of all, there's so-called Russian glory, right? Russian glory is their territory, their pride. Even it's mostly unlivable, and but still, the more territory you conquer, the higher ranking for the president. I don't know. Should I call it Tsar already? But and this is a this season. is a
2: this is an actual like concept within the Russian culture, yeah. the Russian glory. His,
3: his, his ranking actually went significantly up when they annexed Crimea. So. Interest.
2: Well, Interesting. So
3: this is completely opposite, like in US. If the current administration will start the war. The 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 ranking for the Biden, uh, it's already low, but it yes, will, it yes. Will go a little bit downhill. For the Russians, it's completely opposite, right? Because they want to bring the empire back. They want to bring the Soviet Union back. That's why it's happened with Moldova, Georgia, right now it's happening in Ukraine. But I mean, Ukraine is a full scale. And why? Because, because we share common history. Without Ukraine, Russia, actually.
2: I was going to say, because of possibly. Kiev? Because of, yeah, I mean, that's ultimately exist. where Russia Russia started, right?
3: Yeah. So, and there would be huge achievement for all people who support Putin if he is going to uh, uh, conquer Kiev, But at the same time, the amount of troops that he put on the ground is not enough to hold the territory. So I'm not sure. The reason it probably was that we go there with a small force. They're going to give us flowers. They're going to meet us, greet us. with with the bread and butter, and we're going to live happily after is a one state. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen, and um, right now they're blaming Ukraine about developing the biological weapons So yet to today, uh, I just saw the video about that some Russian party, actually party in power, blamed Ukrainian for developing coronavirus. Oh shit. <laughs> so, I would say I, I, I never heard about biological laboratories in Ukraine, a biological weapon whatsoever. Uh, so, but yeah, so they, they try to kind of, and whatever they announce usually happens. So, they would announce like the super neo Nazi Azov that scares Russian army hiding in, in in a theater. So, they would bomb the theater, but there's people inside the theater, civilians. There's not. not uh, military base
0: so and so on and so forth so
3: i assume they would try to use whatever uh weapon they have whatever possible like chemical one because they did it eventually in syria right not with their hands we did it with the hands of Assad, but still there is a possibility uh and i don't know what what kind of damage could be could bring the uh, chemical weapon here but he wants to put i think ukraine uh i mean he's 70 years old old guy he want to be in the history books mm-hmm. as a guy who brought the big country uh, back together yep probably this is the main reason yeah i don't see any other reason behind that behind this much i, I mean when it's uh yeah so this is probably that's
2: that's interesting so russian glory because that was kind of I obviously don't know near as much as you do, but the more I started to just really try to think fundamentally what it looked like was happening and putting myself into Putin's shoes. Like you said, he's 70 years old. He's that's, that's kind of like Trump with the the make America great again, right? Like these guys are, are an older generation. They have this the idea of innovation and progression and, and, and doing things differently is a very difficult concept for them to grasp. And so they would rather go back to doing things the old way and go back to the way things were. And that's ultimately what in their mind was, was good. That's when, that's when America was good. That's when the Soviet, that's when Russia was good. And so let's go back and start to find and pick apart all of these things and reconstruct history so that Russia can be good again, so that America can be good again.
3: Exactly, but this is a really bad use for uh, Eastern Bloc European countries because Ukraine was not the only one, right? Right. So you you have Lithuania, Poland, Bulgaria, that used to be part of Eastern Bloc. Yep. So how about that? I mean, and they are part of the NATO and yeah, this is, there would be a, a really tough for, for Russia. And again, I think the, especially NATO and the West, I don't know. Do you know how they're gonna react if something happened? Uh, for example, it would be attack on Poland. I'm not sure that it would be a really straightforward answer. I hope U.S. would be a straightforward answer, but I'm not sure about Germany or France.
2: If there, was, if there was if there was an attack on Poland? Yeah. The saddest part
3: of my life that I paid seven years taxes in Germany. And I'm so sad about it right now. See how they uh how Germany that's supposed to be the leader of the world world in Europe try to hide and they try to kind of uh find I don't know a possible reason to continue doing business with Russia. And I mean regular German people, my friends from Germany, they don't support that. But what you can do? I mean, they protest the Twitter of Olaf Scholz. It's a fun place to read comments from from just
1: Germans. <laughs> what
2: Ooh. do you what, what do you think the German government is is oppo- opposing or or maybe not, impo- not maybe not opposing but but not they're not re- they're not doing anything they're not reacting.
3: So yeah, I think it started right far before Matt Merkel took power. Uh, there was a guy, uh, Schroeder, one, one of the German uh, chancellor, prime ministers. Mm-hmm. So right now he works for Gazprom, a Russian company. So just, just let's <laughs> let you know. Got so it. He, start, he started kind of a destruction of indepen- uh, like the, the energy independence of Germany. And then usually when Mercury got in power, there's actually, I think, a verb in German language. That's called Merkel which doing nothing if you translate it so she did nothing for for another 15 years uh so that's why you have 100 uh, percent dependency on russian gas and oil and right now they're in a really tough situation so yeah. think about it you they tried to push uh wind and water and it didn't work out really well they built something and they were germany yeah yeah like really nice animation how it works and we try out the German off the bottom and then we'll see all these windmills whatsoever, but it's not obviously not enough.
2: Yeah, it does uh, yeah. I I've I've read that uh I think it covers like seventeen percent of their energy production and it's the largest exactly. It's the largest and greenest energy um sector i guess for lack of a better term in no, all of europe but it covers 17 percent of the exactly and especially when you have like
3: this heavy machinery like bmw and volkswagen car manufacturers they require a lot of energy yeah right so and uh, the second of all i think the what the i think us right now have all chances to go back to uh, car market and win this war uh, honestly because their production methods for the cars even they're too 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 I think they too old. So even nowadays, I think to build a new model, they just order a new robots. They would just throw away the old other line. They will build another line, right? Because in modern world, you can actually reprogram them mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and actually save the money. So they kind of fell a little bit behind of innovation and what the Mercury tried to do during her time, they tried to train Eastern Europe uh, brains. This is how I got to Germany. No, actually I got before she started this program. This is how Lisa got to Germany. She got a German green card for special workers that need tech innovation and so on and so forth. But at certain level, I think it was successful, but do you know any big tech company from Germany? That world uh, i don't know yeah or i, I like,
2: don't they, they they kind of focus it on their
3: local problems and some of them successful some of them are not but i think like, the Wonderlist was the biggest acquisition from microsoft for yes that's it
2: yes yeah there and then and there are a lot of companies that have presences over there but i don't know that they're necessarily germ wonderless you're right is german company but i don't
3: yeah, and uh, but there's this really small cohort of people who is actually trying to innovate in something. It's really hard. Uh, that's why I think the energy fail, uh, the innovation at some point like failed too. That's why actually I left because I, I thought like, it, when I moved to Germany, they started to grow all this startup infrastructure, but unfortunately there's a lot of startups went out of market super fast because of the really low uh, amount of money that they get for their seed rounds and so on and so forth so for now right now they don't have any good good companies that could innovate on like uh, hardware level for mm-hmm. example there's no cheap producers right intel would build a factory there but it's u.s company again with u.s patents
1: that, yeah
3: so for them it would be hard and uh, right now we have shows that actually created a country that has no energy uh, it has no innovation of what you would do. for regular German people probably I think they uh, they don't understand that but it's already as, as I know for now this because my wife's sister lives in Germany their pricing for the utilities for the heated especially it went up
2: it right? Already.
3: yeah and they still continue and they continue to buy oil and gas from Russia.
2: So oh, shit yeah. That's was like
1: during like, like
2: <laughs> today, March 22nd, as far as you know, they're still buying gas from Russia. Yeah, They're still buying oil from Russia.
3: Yeah.
2: Wow. How come I would think that NATO would band together and basically say no in order to I mean, you all of these countries are imposing sanctions. We should probably do something similar.
3: Well, this is a problem with the European Union. If it would be a federation like US, so you would have a new federal government that would tell you what to do, that mm-hmm. would be much easier. And right now, it's dysfunctional democratic union of different countries. Right? You have Hungary, who's actually friends with Putin, so they would block any other decision towards Ukraine or sanctions. Okay. And you have with Germany, that they kind of okay with that, but if Hungary would block a decision, why we should? Why we should suffer, right? We would just follow along. <laughs> deal with... Is... It's not only about the oil and gas. There's some shipments from Germany to uh Russia still. They they ship some goods. There's some other industry that uh, I think they still sell it and buying goods from each other. So it's like every day doing business is is, is normal. So Shit. and uh yeah, and this is not not really great. I mean US being great allies for ally uh, allies for US uh, for for Ukraine right now and UK too and uh, I'm actually quite surprised. I would never I I, I would never think about that it would be a big fan of Boris Johnson. <laughs> 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 uh,
2: uh. <laughs> like
1: honestly and now when they listen to
3: it, I mean it could be well at least they support Ukrainian the army with, with weapons but uh you is being weak i think and later is i don't think that putin would ever use the nuclear weapon because first of all it's a complicated system you can't just launch it with one button Mm. unfortunately i'm not sure about the sanity of his generals because eight of them or ten of them already died on ukrainian (laughs) and ukrainian soil so you might have some crazy people who would food allowed to do that but in overall uh Europe, if you launch something like this in Europe, I think the consequences would be pretty harsh for Russia and Belarus, too. So you need you need to have a mindset
2: of North Korea if you want to do that, really. You're talking about launching nukes? Yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, if you're talking about... If what... If what you hypothesize is true and what I, what I kind of came to the conclusion of it, it is that he wants to ultimately leave a legacy, the yep. last thing he wants to do is start a nuclear war because But not only think- is that going to create mass fallout all over the place, but it's going to wipe Russia off the face of the earth.
3: Yeah, I think the dictatorship has its own downfalls, right? Like, I mean, even for dictators. So you surround yourself with the people that always tell you yes. Yeah. So if you want to invite Ukraine, yes, sure. They're going to meet you and greet you with an yeah. open arm. This is our intelligence report, which shows as usual, the Ukrainian loyalty goes up uh, to Russia, goes up, and Ukrainian disapproval rating for Zelensky also goes up. So you would probably think it's easy operation. But when you start to do that, it... It's kind of not easy because people are protesting even in occupied cities. They go there with Ukrainian flags, they see Ukrainian anthem, they go <coughs> without arms. unarmed uh, people, they go towards the Russian soldiers. And it's actually extraordinary. I would never expect something like this. And uh, <coughs> so the Putin, what he did, I think during this war, they he fired or maybe he put in jail some of his generals, especially from the from from uh, from KGB and like all these agencies, he tried to because for the false information. But yeah, his eventual goal, he want to leave a legacy. How big this legacy could be, it's. We will, I don't know. This is a thing. If you hear U.S. administration, this work could last from eight months up to five years, which is a disaster for my parents, obviously, for any other Ukrainians that went there.
2: What would what would last eight months to five years? The war. Oh. That's so what that's he, what that's what the prediction is
3: I, I I read it I think that he had a consultation in Europe a couple of months ago and he kind of reported that it could it would last from eight months to five years
2: and the Jesus
3: but... so if you think about if you if I uh, listen to Ukrainian news they tell us all right in two weeks we're gonna know if we're losing this war we'll winning this war because now it's going towards like I mean um, Ukrainian did well. Ukrainian armed forces, and right now they're low on ammunition, and obviously they, they, they moral is not there. So they kind of, they really try to not advance by troops, but they try to just shell cities with air forces. So we will see how it's going to happen. But in overall, I would love it to end as soon as possible because, uh, yeah. It's already destroyed I mean I think the damage that the ukrainian government is talking about is 100 billion dollars wow right well wow. I mean it would take and, and think about all these people that saw the war I mean for example my cousin he's he had some military experience so for him it's it's tough but he, he he's he survives but for for teenagers for kids who kind of been relocated from their families. And yeah. Imagine like yesterday like just yesterday you were going to school in your hometown and today you going to school in Berlin which just has zero accommodation for Russian or Ukrainian speaking people. They start to teach you German from the day one. So they just throw you away in like German society. This is how you survive.
2: Really? Yeah. Jesus. So
3: the Polish government did probably their best because they opened every social possible uh, benefit for Ukrainians. Right now, you have access to job market, to insurance, to the housing, to the retirement fund, whatsoever. But Poland can't handle it alone. It's I think it's more than two million people, and for country like Poland, it's a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Poland's not very big, right?
3: Yeah. So. And the same for for any other European country. I mean, especially for Eastern Bloc. They they they're not rich. This also kind of bothers me a lot. If European Union is so awesome, why only founding members countries are rich?
2: Why only founding members? (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I mean when I moved to Germany, I I was always skeptical about European Union uh how the, some people like would talk about it like you know like romanians would tell you like you know what they go uh we accepted the european Union. germans would go to my town they would destroy local businesses they would build their german walls and uh the romanian business would, would be able to survive because the prices are lower so yeah but this is probably for now.
1: <laughs> huh
2: well so okay like how do you what's how do you think this ends? Like you said that you hope it ends in you know quickly. Obviously, I, I do too. Um I, I don't think there's anyone out there other than well, even Putin probably hopes that it ends pretty quickly. Um
3: I think there's three unlikely scenarios. I mean, uh probably something like this gonna happen. First, super largely scenarios, the Russian elite. Would try to replace Putin with someone else. With someone else,
2: Russian elites try to replace yeah. Putin with someone else.
3: Yeah, probably is really. Why for? Because they lose an access to their assets. Right? Okay. That's okay. Point. Okay. They are under sanctions. It's really hard. Yep. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't want to say that they probably. But I mean, obviously they became poorer, but for them, probably losing another 10, ten, fifty billions is fine. For them, it's more humiliating reason, right? Yeah. So, uh, second thing that Russia would use some kind of uh, prohibited weapon on Ukraine, and Ukraine would surrender because it would be no, it would be just no Ukraine anymore. This is also really unlikely, I think, because it's all Europe would be pretty much under under. Uh, you, if you will use nuke, it would also uh, obviously radiation uh, everywhere across the Europe. So this is really unlikely. Mm-hmm. Maybe he would use a chemical weapon on certain parts of the Ukraine or some tactical small nukes to destroy the public infrastructure or like military infrastructure. It's possible,
2: right?
3: Mm-hmm. He, he might take that risk. So then it's going to end badly for Ukraine what is going to happen I think what and uh, the only reason why how Ukraine can win let's continue to push back uh, the Russian forces this is how I see it. and uh, at the same time the more days the fight back the stronger position Ukraine to talk with Putin even though he doesn't want to talk with Zelensky at all Mm -hmm. so far there is zero I think uh, understanding from both sides of things Zelensky he's he told that he would going to work hard to remove NATO from the Ukrainian constitution. There's a, but they need to form some kind of uh, uh, security assurances. Probably it's possible if the US going to participate, UK going to participate. There's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a big question about the territories. What you would do with territories. Right. Are you going to just uh, ask russian forces to go back to russia and you have all ukraine together probably is not going to happen right and this is and this is where zelensky wants to use a referendum so i think he would start to narrow like narrow down the possibilities what would end the war because I, I i saw his interview yesterday it was like uh, and he mentioned several times that he had some proposals with russians so they're gonna they proposed to him like, okay, now we have our troops there, there, there. If we were to sign a peace treaty right now, they're gonna stay there. Would be part of Russia. So uh, I don't think that Zelensky. I mean, after this, if he would sign something like that, he would be <clears throat> it would be a political disaster for him. So what he's trying to do, he wanna to try to remove the consequences. He would try to remove responsibility. He would write he would start a referendum after ceasefire, and he would write the positions that Ukrainian people would vote for. I didn't see, besides Ukrainian getting like, uh, I don't know, F-35s, and our pilots start to, to fly them, and we would have iron Dome from, from Israel. There's no way that we could be able to push back Russia to, to Russia. <clears throat> so I think there would be some Territories are gonna be lost forever for Ukraine, at least for this amount of time. But <clears throat> we can stop the war. So, what, how is gonna be? Uh, I don't know. And obviously, the most of opti- op- 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 uh, optimistic one, Ukraine is gonna win, mm-hmm. and they're gonna fight until the end, and they consolidate the force. They're gonna wipe out the whole Russian army in the central part and the western part, and they're gonna move consolidated it's consolidated from the eastern part of Ukraine and gotta conquer everything in their way.
1: Which probably also will be a little bit unrealistic because
3: they're heroes,
1: but they're humans too.
3: And humans is getting tired.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But we will see.
3: Maybe there would be shift in, uh, I mean, we don't still, there is zero understanding what China would do. Are they going to support Russians or Russian troops or not?
2: Right. That question is definitely out there. Yeah. and, uh,
3: And we don't know how America would react. And if Russia would use a chemical weapon or biological weapon, how NATO would react. Because the response we would apply swift action tells me nothing. I mean, it could be like, oh, Russia, don't do that. Mm-hmm. It also, it's the action, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, Ukraine, I think the Ukrainians understand so far one thing, they are on their own uh, on the battlefield. There's some people fighting for like I mean there's some volunteers from US, from from uh, UK, from Ireland, across the world overall, around 15,000 people from different countries voluntarily fighting in Ukraine. But in mm-hmm. overall, there would be no NATO to support right.
2: them. Right. Around. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of behind the scenes kind of support and whatnot, but you're 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 right. On the actual battlefield itself, it's 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 Ukraine, and which is it, tough to watch. It's tough to.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's not comparable with sizes of army. If you go to Wikipedia, Ukraine was like three hundred thousand people, and Russia like over one million. So Jesus. Russia uses just tiny percent of people. I mean, they use all of their resources that was allocated to this operation right now. Yeah. Because they want, but uh, if they try to hire more people and now. They're talking about uh Syria too. Some 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 uh I don't know, some some fighters from Syria gonna join Russian army to fight Ukrainians like I mean it's getting out of the rails pretty quickly. Uh so we will see. But Ukraine is gonna win. I I this is my my belief. Uh,
2: I I'm with you man. They've 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 they're far they're fighting way harder way stronger. It seems like they're more advanced. It seems like the Russian military is archaic. It seems like everything that they that they're still rooted back in the Soviet culture. And they haven't, they haven't done anything to bring themselves out of where they were 30 or 40 years ago. And they're fighting like that. And that I guess is kind of the one The one scary, scary, I mean, there's a lot of scary things, but that's the scariest piece to me because that is, that's when like desperation starts to kick in because you came in with all of these forces. You came in with the larger army. You came in thinking that you had this, like you said, that they were going to walk in and they were going to be greeted with flowers and roses and they're like, hey, come on, we'll join together. We'll be one state. That's it. And they weren't met with that. They were met with the exact opposite. And now they're sitting here going, shit, what's our next move?
3: Surrender. I think surrender, put your arms down, join Ukraine, gonna be fine.
2: I hope so. I hope so.
3: (laughs) But unfortunately, they they are looking, they are raping Ukrainian women. There's like, there's uh, our prosecutors started to actually write in the cases. It's it's a war crime. I mean, this is eventually what happened during the Second World War on both sides of German sides and the Russian sides. But right now it's like right now it's happening on one side of things because they fight on Ukrainian territory. Mm -hmm. They're killing children. And uh, I mean, they destroy families. It's really, for me...
2: They bombed a maternity ward the other day.
3: Yeah. And for me, it's really hard to comprehend. And I mean, the, the worst part of it that you go to Instagram there's a, uh, like, there's a photo that one woman was heavily pregnant was, like, they um, uh, tried to save her from the hospital, and then she, turns out that she's an Instagram model. So you go to her Instagram, and there's a lot of Russian bots, maybe just Russian, uh, comments like, you are fake. There was a fake photo. She died. You know that she died? Hmm. They were not able to save her. And you read this, like, 1,000 or 3,000 Comments about that she's a fake, and it was it was like a fake news from. Uh... So it's it's a little bit shocking that people would, I mean, they didn't know her in fact, and she wasn't that hospital. She was heavily pregnant. Yes, she's Instagram model, and she died there. Mm-hmm. At the end, so this is what what happened. And there was another crazy video that they saw. Like they tried to actually save after. Another shelling, it's try to save a child under a big, big, huge uh, boulder. And uh, the first comment that you got from a Russian, it's fake. I mean, and then you read the next day, you read update to the story that the child died. And like, yeah, it's obviously fake.
2: It's obviously fake. They,
3: yeah. They faked it every, every freaking hour. So it, maybe I'm getting softer. Uh, brother, but since he became a father for me, it's, it's almost impossible to watch.
2: It's so hard, man. It's so hard. So, oh.
3: yeah. So we will we will see. And uh, yeah, so resources, how you can support Ukraine? I can send you links.
2: Yeah, I needed, yeah.
3: I well, since I'm been Ukrainian, so I obviously supported the army. Uh, I supported the humanitarian uh, reasons. For Ukraine through my company and uh, there's also Lisa was supporting a bunch of things like uh, there's animal pets and pet shelters that okay. actually kind of get in. they're driving across Ukraine and they try to get all the pets in the shelter uh, I don't know if they still working because I went to Instagram to, the, to their founder yesterday to join army he was like this is my country if I can't stand it anymore
2: I no shit
3: yeah so, uh, I I, I could provide the those excuse you can show. Yeah, yeah,
2: definitely. They all,
3: they all legit. Uh, so I mean, I, I use them, uh, it's, it's fine. And, uh, but yeah, sure. And, yeah. Uh, but-
2: s- send those. And then, and then, sorry, I, I didn't want, I don't want to cut you off there. Were you, sorry, I feel like I cut you off. Were you saying something else?
3: No, no, I think okay. there's also like official ways to help you support it. It's usually UNICEF and the Red Cross. But if you want directly to do that, there's a bunch of.
1: <sighs>
3: Unfortunately, some Ukrainians, uh, some Ukrainian website, they're not in English. But I will try to provide the best.
2: Okay. Okay, yeah, if you can send those to me, I'll certainly add them into the description and all that and, uh, and and try to Yeah, they used to
3: have some of these companies and and, uh, NGOs, they used to have a support via Patreon. And my, for example, for for a couple of months, the Ukrainian army was on my subscription. Okay. But Patreon started to ban those, uh, because their main thing is that you were not uh, contributing money to the war. Oh, I see so yeah,
2: got him yeah. okay, oh yeah
3: so yeah, they got uh these guys they got the u s translation, so yeah i will I will send it to you, thank you so so much for having me do mum mumbling and rumbling, you destroy your podcast, but you know what you can use uh, this script, I think it works really well. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no dude thank you this has been is there anything else you want to say that we didn't cover any any like thoughts you have or 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 thing you know anything you want to share
3: Uh, i think to all uh ukrainians that live in u.s and other country or maybe displaced uh like another five million people right now or four million people right now just stay strong and uh hopefully the help uh from the Korean government and volunteers, they would help you to find a job at a shelter. And it's hard, and uh, especially for people in Germany and other European countries, because there's no straight process how you to get all the information. And especially if you don't speak the language, it, it could be really, really complicated. I, I I went through it when I moved to Germany, I went through, I mean, in the US it was easier because I know the language. But still, uh, try to call any possible number and help. There's some websites that, uh even uh volunteers put out there if you need shelter food and i think there's i would probably could provide those too. uh actually okay so uh it's kind of free airbnb and stay strong and uh, thank i want to thank for thank say thank you to all the people that actually helped me like my polish friends when i tried to move my parents to poland they did incredible job of finding all of these resources and we constantly, even there's 10 hours difference, they constantly be here uh, with me and uh, Sergio, my Spanish friend who, who helped, my, provided me with her contacts when my my wife, Lisa did it for her friend. So there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, maybe I forgot to mention someone else, but thank you, Jeff, for hosting me. And uh,
1: yeah,
3: we everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be Ukraine
2: everything's gonna be ukraine man much love i appreciate it dude thanks for coming on and chatting um yeah. and yeah definitely give me those links and things so we can we can send those out
3: yeah i will send it to you either in chat or in a separate email
2: all right bud all right cheers cheers there you have it folks Andrew hemmed it up there at the end better than i or mike ever could what's happening in eastern europe is very real and has the potential to become much more serious in a variety of ways. Ukraine can win this war. Now is the time to act. If you haven't already, please visit the links in the podcast notes to donate to Ukraine and do your part to help their efforts in their fight for democracy and freedom. Thanks y'all. Much love.